Isaiah 43, 18. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Boy, what a great God you serve. He can do anything at any time with anybody. Amen. I want to speak this morning on this subject. Start now. Start now. I wonder if you would just set your Bibles down, if you'd lift your voices right now. Let's praise Him one more time. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. Thankful for Your people. The opportunity to come together, join our faith, join our voices. To come together, Lord, and to exalt Your name. You have blessed us so much, Lord. We thank You for this year. But we look forward, God, into 2018 with a spirit of anticipation and excitement. And Lord, we commit, God, hallelujah, to make you the focal point of our lives, to put you on the throne of our heart, oh God, to put all other fears and worries aside, and to say, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. I will bless the Lord at all times. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to declare your greatness. In the name of Jesus Christ, hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We have talked about all in, and it's going to be something we'll be hearing a lot about throughout 2018. We cast that vision a couple of weeks ago as we looked forward, and we talked about the different ways, the five different ways that we're going to uh, be able to uh, measure our commitment levels. And uh, you're going to be hearing about this uh, over the next five weeks, starting now. And today we're going to be talking about consecration, uh, but you're going to be hearing about the five C's that we talked about in terms of our metrics of how we can measure uh, spiritual commitment. We're going to talk about it in the terms of consecration, coming, which is faithfulness to the house of God, classes, uh, getting involved, um, contributing, committing with our tithes and our offerings, and... Uh, in all of these different ways, you're going to be hearing about this over um, the next five weeks. And then on the last Sunday of January, uh, we're going to be talking about conversions, which is uh, salvation as we talk about the initial stage of baptism in Jesus' name, repentance, and being filled with the Holy Ghost. Brother Mike Easter is going to be with us on that Sunday. We're going to have a spiritual emphasis week. So January is going to be a great, great month. Amen. And we're believing God for some great things. But I want to start with a question today. I want to ask you this rhetorical question. If you had 2017 to live over again, how many of you would probably do something different than you did? All right, look around. Those are the only honest people that are in the building today. <laughs> uh, we would all do something different. And the reason that we would do something different is because not everything turned out in 2017 the way we would have liked for it to. Because that's just life. And that's just human nature. And the reason that we would try to do something different is because none of us in this building today or anybody that is in flesh, in this earth, breathing air is able to get through this life without some failure. We all make mistakes. Sometimes you give life your best shot and you still come up short. Sometimes you study for the test and you still do not, you don't accomplish the grade that you want or you may fail. Sometimes you work really hard in your job and you still get laid off and it's not any... Uh, cause on your part, it may just be that there's a downsizing going on with the company, or you feel like you could have done something different. Sometimes you work really hard on making a strong marriage, and it just doesn't make any progress, and sometimes it ends up failing. The fact is that all of us are going to fail 
often in life. It's not a matter of if you will fail, because you will fail many, many times. But it's only a matter of when you're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes, we've all made them. You're going to have setbacks, we've all had setbacks. You're going to have problems, we've all had problems. You're going to have defeats and you're going to have losses and you will fail. And as we begin this year, 2018, I want us to make a fresh start. Starting now, starting today, what is God's way of making a fresh start? Because ladies and gentlemen, you do not serve a God who is stuck in the past or a God that has to deal with all of your past mistakes. He can make something brand new today, starting right now. He's not confined to your past experiences. He's not confined to what they call in the field of law, uh, stare decisis, or what we would maybe know better as status quo. He's not confined with the way it's always been. It's always been a desert. Fine. But with my God, he can put a river in the desert. Well, my grandfather was an alcoholic, and my dad was an alcoholic, and I'm always going to be an alcoholic. Not necessarily. Not with my God. Oh, Hallelujah. He can make it brand new. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for the great work that Alcoholics Anonymous does, but I don't like the idea that you have to keep going to those meetings and saying, I'm an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic. Because when you come to the house of the God, you don't have to live your whole life saying, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I know there's a school of thought in modern day Christianity that you're supposed to say you're a sinner every day. I reject that. I think you ought to get up every day and say, I'm an overcomer. I'm a believer. The Bible said we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Hallelujah. I used to be in sin, but bless God, he's forgiven me of my sins. So regardless of what happened in 2017, how do I get a fresh start? The Bible says that God is very interested in your future. Isaiah 43, the Lord says, forget about what's happened before. Don't even think about the past. Instead, look at the new things that I'm going to do. And in your mind and maybe in your Bible, circle forget about. Forget about what's happened before. He says, don't even think about the past. It's over. The book is closed on that. And if you don't get anything else that I say today other than this one statement, this is what I want you to get. God is far more interested in your future than he is your past. We live in a world that a person's future is indicated upon their past. They look at your past to see if you got a good credit score before they, you know, give you a loan to buy a car or a credit card or whatever. Because they believe the past is an indicator on what's going to happen in the future. And maybe with human nature it's that way, but with God it's not necessarily that way. He can do a miracle in the midst of a mess. Oh, hallelujah. I love this about God. There is nothing else in this world that is like my God who can make everything brand new. You say, how can God make it all brand new? Because he was the original creator to begin with. He doesn't just create you when you're born and you come out of your mother's womb and you start breathing air. He doesn't just stop right there. He's in the business of recreating you your entire life. Amen. You can go to God and say, Lord, I need a new attitude. He can give you a new attitude. You can say, God, I need a healing in this body. He can heal your body. God, I need a healing in my emotions. I want to do it. I want to be a new creature in Christ. He can make it all brand new. But so many times we think God is fixated on our past and all he wants to do is remind us of all the things that we've done wrong. You're wrong. God isn't interested in your past. He's interested in your future. And that's where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. So he says, forget about the past. Forget about the former things. Don't think about it. Look at the new thing that I'm going to do. And here's what I want to give you this morning. So, And I know I'm not going to finish this this morning, so we'll continue it in our evening service tonight at 6.30. But I want to give you this formula and give you an acrostic of the word start so that it's something that we can remember throughout the course of this year. I hope that you'll remember this, and maybe you can even pass it along to friends, uh, and they have failures and so forth. We can talk about this, and we can look at it in terms of biblical principles. Regardless of what kind of failure that you had in 2017, you may have had a financial failure, you may have had a relational failure, failure in your marriage, you may have had a moral failure, you may have really blown it. And you may have made some decisions that that you're so ashamed of, you hope that nobody ever finds out about them. 
regardless of the failure that you've had in your life, here's how you start over. Are you ready? Let's start with the letter S. We're going to look at the letter S, and we're going to look at these letters, S-T-A-R-T, five letters in the word start, and I believe that each one of them gives us a specific way to remember a biblical principle. The first thing in the letter S, this is what I want us to start with, is this. Stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. I got an exercise bike for Christmas. I looked at that thing and it looked like a torture device. So because I'm sanguine in nature, I went and started I was like, I got to get this, and I got the right workout, and I got to have all this. And my wife says to me, we're in some store, and I said, I got to have this, and I got to have that. And I'm gonna... She said, why don't we just get you on the exercise bike first? We'll start with that. Then you can buy all the paraphernalia. <laughs> so I got on this exercise bike, and it said he wanted to do a fitness test on me. So I said, okay. So I grabbed a hold of the thing that monitors your heart, and I'm stepping like this and doing this and that, and I got all this stuff going, and it's only three minutes. I'm like, you should be able to survive anything for three minutes. <laughs> so I got all done, all that, and I'm doing back and forth, and around three minutes, and then it said that your fitness level is eight. And I thought, that is wonderful. I thought it was a scale of one to ten. I said, I'm already at an eight. And then I got the book and I realized it was from one to a hundred. I was so discouraged. I got off the bike and went and had to find a candy bar to get over that. <laughs> and, the, and the book says the machine will learn you. So it has all these red dots that go around this circle, right? And you're supposed to stay in that zone. So the next day, I said, all right, I'm going to conquer you. I got on that thing, and it said, okay, we're ready for you to go. It said, make sure you stay in the zone that we give you. It had three little lights way over here that it would not let me go out of because it did not want me to die on the machine, I guess. I'm like, I can do more than that, you know? And it was like, stay in the zone, stay in the zone, stay in the zone. I got so discouraged about that crazy thing. I got off and... Went and got a Diet Coke to recover from it. And then <laughs> the next day, I climbed back up on that thing again. I'm going to tell you what. If that thing kills your pastor, I'm going to conquer that thing before this year is over. <laughs> the next day, it gave me one little more dot that I could go to, I could go to. But I found myself keep trying to make excuses why I shouldn't get on this thing. But I realized that if you're going to conquer anything, you've got to stop making excuses. I have to stop making excuses for my failure. I got to stop blaming other people. I got to stop blaming my travel schedule for why I can't stay on a diet. I got to stop using all of these rationalizations. I got to stop seeing myself as a victim of my circumstances. All of us are that way. Biblical characters are that way. Gideon and Aaron and all of these different people. They're all in the Bible and they couldn't get out of the rut they were in until they stopped making excuses. Now, let me be clear about this, ladies and gentlemen. Other people can hurt you without a doubt. There's no doubt about that. Other people can harm you. Other people can scar you. But nobody can ruin your life except you. Nobody can ruin your life without your permission. And I don't give the devil permission to ruin my life. You ought to, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right here. You ought to get some backbone and say, devil, I'm tired of you organizing and reorganizing and all the time trying to intimidate me in this life. I am a child of God. Hallelujah. I am the head and not the tail. I am not the victim. I am a victor. Hallelujah. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. You have a choice, my friend. And that choice is that you can choose how you're going to respond to hurts. We're all going to get hurt, but we can choose how we respond. You don't know what's going to happen in 2018. I don't either. But you can choose how you choose to respond. The Bible says that the starting point is to just be honest and accept responsibility for my part in my problem. 
uh, Proverbs 28, 13 says this. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. He gets a fresh start. He says the starting point to starting over is to be honest and to face up to the problems that most of the problems in my life, most of the failures are my fault. And that's pretty hard for us because we just like to pass the buck. The flesh just likes to do that. We live in a society, we live in a culture that loves to shift the blame. We blame the environment, we blame the economy, we blame the government, we blame our parents, we blame the stars, we blame biorhythms, we even blame El Nino for the weather pattern. We've got somebody to blame everything on. It's always somebody else's fault. Everything is attributed to something else. But God says, most of your failures you caused. We could talk today, I mean, we could talk for several weeks about what causes failures in people's life. But let me just give you three of what I believe are the most common reasons why we fail. And I want you to get these down because I, I think you can avoid them in 2018. The number one reason that we fail in life is that we don't plan ahead. We make decisions and we don't look at the consequences of them. The Bible says in Proverbs 20 and verse 7, a sensible man watches for problems and prepares to meet them. But the fool never looks ahead and suffers the consequences. So here's the question I want to ask you today. Was it raining when Noah started building the ark? There's a lot of people right now. I've been talking to people around town, even folks that I don't even know that are working behind a counter. And the other day I was purchasing something and I was trying to do this and that. And the lady said, well, you know, you can pay. Just put your iPhone up there. And I said, put my iPhone up there. She said, yeah, it's got this machine. So I tried to set it on there. She said, you don't have to set it on the machine. Just hold it in your hand. And I held it in my hand. And a little smiley face came on. She said, that's it. You just paid. I said, you know what they're getting us ready for, don't you? She said, uh-huh, the mark of the beast. I said, come on, girl. I mean, this is the girl working in a store. Whoo! She said, I know what they're getting. We're getting us ready for the mark of the beast. Boy, it ain't going to be long and you're going to have a chip in your hand or whatever. And you're just going to say right there and then it's going to pay for it right there, boy. The Bible already talks about it. And there's a whole bunch of folks that say, boy, once I see all that, then I'm going to get in church. When I start seeing them line them up down here at the city hall to chop off their head, if they don't, you know, accept the mark of the beast, I'm going to tell you something right now, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be too late. You got to plan ahead. You can't wait till you're in the midst of a bunch of problems before you say, I need help. You've got to say, God, I need it right now. Even if everything's going right in your life, you've got to say, God, I need more of you today than I had yesterday. I need more of you in 2018 than I had in 2017. you got to plan ahead. So it wasn't raining when Noah started building the ark. He had to plan ahead. In fact, the rain didn't come for 120 years. But that's how long it took him to get things done, to get the thing built. Jesus often talked about the importance of planning. A number of stories about Jesus talk about it. He said there was a guy who goes out and he starts to build a building, a tower in fact, and he can't finish it because he doesn't have enough money because he forgot to plan. He tells a story about the king who went out to battle but he lost because he didn't count his soldiers. He didn't plan ahead. It's the old cliche, if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. The second thing is, I believe the reason that we don't have the success we're looking for is because we don't listen to others. Boy, it got quiet there, didn't it? <laughs> we don't listen to good advice when it's offered. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, plans fail without good advice. You need to get all the advice that you can, and you got to get good advice. Now, why don't we listen to the advice of people? Because we don't think we need it. It's called ego. But by the way, ego stands for edging God out. Ego. E-G-O. I got this. I can take care of it. I'm going to tell you what, folks. When you think you know more than God and you push him out of your life, you're on an ego trip, and that trip is going to lead to a dead end. You've got to back up and say, God, I'm on, I need your help in this. The Bible says pride always leads to destruction, and an arrogant attitude leads to a fall. When I think I know it all and I can figure it all out for myself, I'm setting myself up for failure. I was reading the other day about a guy by the name of Darby who was from the East Coast, somewhere in the Maryland area, and he went out and he heard there was some gold and special minerals and all that out west, and he went out there and he started uh, digging around and so forth, and he ended up 
uh, buying some land out in Colorado and coming upon ore and uh, getting this vein. He said, man, this is awesome. This is going to be worth a lot of money. We're going to have all kind of success out here. But he said, i got to go home and raise some money and get the equipment that I need to be able to extract this ore out of the earth and bring it down to the sweltering plant and so forth. So he goes back and tells all his friends and neighbors and family and everybody, he says, man, I've struck ore and it's out in Colorado and we're going to make it and it's going to be unbelievable and I need some money and so forth. People invested in it. He got all the equipment. He got it all shipped out there and uh, took his nephew with him and they all came out there and they said, here we are. We're going to start digging. And they dug the ore and they pulled it out and took it to the and everything and it started working good. And then all of a sudden, everything went dry. Boy, they couldn't find anything. I mean, they couldn't find anything. They, they dug and dug. There was nothing. They were like, oh my goodness, we've spent all this money now. The thing, it's just a false, it's a fluke, and da da da. And somebody said, you need to get an engineer or somebody who can measure all of this and tell you where exactly the line is. And they said, we don't have the money to waste on all of that. He said, well, how are you going to do this? And they said, well, we're just going to keep drilling. So they kept drilling, kept drilling. They didn't find anything. Finally, they got so discouraged, they took all their equipment and they sold it to a junk man. And the junk man took all the equipment and went and hired an engineer. And the engineer said, oh, yeah, there's all kind of ore. He said, those people just didn't know about fault lines. There are certain fault lines that are in the earth, and you've got to know how to work around the fault line. He said, if you'll drill three feet over, he said, there's the most ore that we have ever seen on a survey. That junk man drilled three feet over and became a multi-millionaire because he was willing to listen to the advice of somebody who knew more than he did. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you something right now. You can't get better advice than the Word of God. You can try to live your whole life saying, oh, those biblical principles, they're too antiquated for me. They don't relate to my problem. I'm going to tell you what, folks. Everything you need is in that Bible. I said, everything you need is in the Bible. So we have to listen to good counsel. We have to listen to the Word of God. If I don't listen to the advice of my wife or my boss or if you're a woman to your husband, other people around us, and think I can just do it my own way, you're never going to get anywhere if you think that way, that you've already arrived. In fact, I heard one preacher say this, and I think this is good. He said, the guy who gets too big for his britches will eventually be exposed in the end. Think about that for just a moment. The guy who gets too big for his britches will eventually be exposed in the end. That's the problem with pride. So we fail to plan and we fail to listen to other people and we fail as a result. But here's the third thing. We give up too soon. There are three of the greatest causes for failure in all of our lives. We give up too soon. Proverbs 24.10 says, if you give up when problems come, it just shows that you're weak. That's what the Bible says. Because failure is the path of least resistance. And the problem is that often during trying times, we stop trying. Have you ever thought about how close, how close Judas came to actually making it? You talk about running out of gas on the last mile. Now, I know he had challenges in his faith, but all he had to do was stay committed for a few more days. Right when everything was fixing to come to a climax, Judas goes out into the night, betrays his master. Demas, Paul said, hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Folks, don't give up on the last lap. I don't know about you, but you ought to be able to feel the expectancy in your spirit to know that Jesus is coming soon. This is not the time to get discouraged. This is not the time to look somewhere else. And they called Daniel and they said, we want you to tell us what is written on the wall. And Belshazzar, who was king of uh, Babylon, and they were all out there having a big party and it was a bunch of debauchery going on to the point where they had to go and take the vessels that they had captured out of the temple in Jerusalem and defile all those vessels. I'm going to tell you something about people living in sin. They don't want to just live in sin. They want to defile everything else that's righteous. They weren't having this big party. While they are having this big party, a hand just started writing on the wall, meany, meany, tinkle, you farson. And they're having this big old party, and they're all half drunk, and they're looking at this thing and saying, what is that? It's a big hand writing on a wall. What is meany, meany, tinkle, you farson? What does that mean? They said, I don't know, but there's this one guy, Daniel. I'm going to tell you what, boy. 
people know where the righteous folks are. They got to go find him. They got to go find him in the dungeon or a little house or where they keeping him aside. But boy, I'll tell you, when things start coming apart, they'll know where to go. They say, go find Daniel. He can interpret this. They go find Daniel. And they say, Daniel, can you tell us what this means? Daniel said, yep. It means you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Let me interpret that for you in our modern day vernacular. Your number is up. That's what that meant. It's all over. And they said, thank you so much for that. We are so happy that you shared that with us. Now we can go on about our party, but we want to give you something. Here is a coat, and here's a gold ring, and here's a chain, and we're going to make you the leader in the country. You know, Daniel told them all, you can keep it. Because that night, that nation got conquered by media Persia. You know what I'm trying to tell you? This is no time to sell out what God has given you for this world. Because we're on the 12th hour. Don't give up too soon. If at first you don't succeed, welcome to the human race. If at first you don't succeed, you're normal. Very few people often make it on the first try. Oftentimes we give up just when success is around the corner. It's always too soon to quit. And you're never a failure until you give up. As long as you're trying, you haven't failed. I don't know why I keep going back to this, but it just seems like a good example. I have come to this conclusion that even though I have put on weight, I am not a failure until I quit trying. Is there anybody out there that just gets tired of trying to eat, you know, cardboard and tofu and all this stuff that you got to eat? My goodness. But as long as I just keep trying, I'm still in the game. The other day we had to go down there to see Sister Tammy Chapman, Brother Jimmy Chapman's wife had a scare and they had put her in the hospital and all that and do tests on her heart and all that. So Sister Amy and I, we went down there and we tried to go in through the emergency room and they said, no, she's already got up in the D wing. She's on the seventh floor. And I said, okay, well, that's right there. We can just go through here. And they said, no, you can't. You got to go and park in the A. This was like 1030 at night. You got to go park in the A parking lot and you got to go in the A entrance and then you got to walk all the way over to the D wing. I don't know if any of you have ever been to the Holmes Regional Hospital in Melbourne, but that's like a two-mile hike. So I said, okay, so my wife and I and Sophia, we went over there and parked in the A parking lot, and, and I went in the A parking lot, and I don't know if y'all are like this, but sometimes God just gives me a better perspective on things. And uh, I walked in there, and there's the guard, you know, and you're taking out your cell phone and your keys and all that, you got to go through security, we're going through security. He said, you're going to see somebody in the D-wing? That's on the other side of the hospital. I said, yeah, but they told us we got to come over here. He said, yeah, you got to come over here. I said, here's what I decided. That as long as I keep walking around this hospital, maybe I won't have to check into the hospital. (laughs) I told you, you got to get a new perspective. I had to be reminded, you remember when I came back from Africa and I said, I'm so excited about rush hour now. That means everybody in America's got jobs, everybody's spending money, everybody's got automobiles. In Africa, there's no rush hour. There's no cars, there's no jobs, everybody's walking. Boy, I came back to America, I saw these cars and getting traffic, you can't hardly move. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. But I had to be reminded of all that. This past week, boy, I got over there in Orlando and it takes an hour to move five feet trying to go to them outlet malls. Cars parked on grass and everybody yelling and cussing and fussing, giving you that little magical finger and all that stuff going on. <laughs> Woo! And Lord, I thank you for all these shoppers. I thank you for an economy that's thriving. I thank you, Lord, for all these people down here in Florida and Orlando. Now, could you please move them out of my way so I can get to them? <laughs> Sometimes you got to have an attitude adjustment. Thank the Lord, that's a long walk, but at least I can walk. Woo, hallelujah. That's early to get up in the morning, but thank God I woke up this morning. Hallelujah. 
Woo! Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to tell you something else. I'll just throw this in for what it's worth. Sometimes when you're in pain, thank God that you can feel pain. It's worth not to be able to have any pain. At least if you're feeling pain, you're still alive. Woo, hallelujah. Somebody said, I'd go to that Pentecostal church, but they make a lot of noise down there. People stand up, clap, people run the aisle. You better believe it. You know why? We're still alive. We're still thankful for what God has done. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. My goodness, I'm only on S. Somebody said, well, I don't know why everybody else seems to succeed and not me. Well, let me tell you about some world-class failures. There was a guy, a general, who lost two-thirds of all the battles that he fought. His name was George Washington. But he won the war. You may lose a lot of battles, but there's one war you got to win. And that is we got to make heaven our home. There was another guy who graduated 42nd out of a class of 43 people. Then he went on and conquered Europe. His name was Napoleon. There was a guy who lost almost every election he ran for. In fact, 10 out of 12 elections he lost until he finally was elected president. His name was Abraham Lincoln. Edison tried over 200 different elements before he figured out which one was the right element to use in the light bulb. Over 200 failures before he had a success. In 21 years, Babe Ruth hit 714 home runs, but he struck out 1,330 times. He struck out nearly twice as often as he got a home run. He once said, never let the fear of striking out keep you from taking a swing. A famous novelist in England, John Creasy, got 753 rejection slips from publishers before he published his first book. He then went on and published 564 books. Can you imagine the persistence of a man putting up with over 700 rejections? before his first book got published, and then went on in his lifetime to publish 500 more. R.P. Macy failed seven times as an entrepreneur in retailing, and then he started Macy's department store. It's always too soon to quit. The Bible says we need to stop making excuses, admit it when it's our fault, and get on with life. Hallelujah. I've discovered that people who are very good at making excuses are rarely good at anything else. They spend all their energy thinking up reasons why they can't do what they're supposed to do. So let's start now. Let's start right now and not even wait for tomorrow and say, I'm going to stop making excuses. 2018 is going to be the best year. I'm going to have a walk with God. Hallelujah. I'm going to teach a Bible study. I'm going to win somebody to God. Let me get one more T in and then we'll finish this tonight. T stands for take stock i got to take stock of my life. You have got to take stock in your life. That means we've got to evaluate all of our experiences. I need to look at what I have left after the failure. If you've had a financial failure, then we need to take stock of what finances do we have left. If you've had a relational failure, then take stock of what relationships you have left. If you've had a moral failure, then take a look and say, what is God still doing in my life? What are the options? What are my talents? What are my assets? What are my connections? If you want to make a fresh start in 2018, you've got to sit down and do an evaluation in your life and take stock of all of your experiences. And regardless of what's happened in 2017, one of the things you still have, in fact, one of the things that you have going into 2018 that you didn't have last year is you have more experience. <laughs> oh, yes, you do. God wants you to use those experiences. He doesn't want you to waste them. He wants you to learn from them, capitalize on them. Galatians 3, 4 says this. You have suffered and experienced many things. Were all those experiences in vain? What does it mean to have an experience and it be in vain? I'm going to tell you what it means. It means you didn't learn anything from it. 
If you don't learn from it, you're destined to repeat it. So what have I learned? I know people 40, 50 years old, but they don't have 40 or 50 years of experience. They've had the same year of experience 10 times or 20 times over. They didn't learn anything from it. What did we learn from 2017? If you don't sit down and make it through, you'll probably end up making the same mistake this year as you did last year because you didn't learn from it. What are your assets? What am I going to do? How am I going to get my health back? How am I going to get my freedom? Am I mentally sound? Oh my goodness, that's something you've got to ask yourself every day. Do I still got some friends left? Have I got the Lord? Have I got a good church? Is God faithful? Is the Bible true? What have I got that I can count on? I got a gift the other day. I was so excited about it. It was one of these neat little earbud things you can put in your ear. You can talk on the phone. All them fancy people all have them. You don't even have to hold your phone out like a regular person. You can just talk. Have you ever seen people like that? You're talking to them. You think they're talking to you, and all of a sudden, they're talking to somebody. There's more people schizophrenic now than ever before because there's people talking to themselves all over the place. I was so excited when I got them things, and then I lost them. I mean, I didn't have them a day or so, and they were already gone. I told my wife, I can't believe I'm losing my wallet at Home Depot, and I blamed it on somebody stealing. I probably just lost it, and I lost my earbuds, and I lost this. I said, I can't believe I'm losing everything. She said, you hadn't lost me. Mm. My God. She said, I'm with you till the end. I said, come on, baby. Couldn't hardly get the car home quick enough. My God. Well, you better take stock. You got a good marriage. You got relatively good health. You live in America. You got a good job. We got a lot to be thankful for. I don't care about no earbuds. I can get a new wallet and a new driver's license. But I got a God that's never going to leave me. Hallelujah. I got the word of God to help guide me. I got to hurry. Grab your bulletin. That'll let you know I'm getting ready to come to a close. Here's the next thing you got to ask yourself. Who can help me? When you need a brand new start, you need somebody by your side. A friend, an accountability partner, a support person, a support group. I'm so excited. I don't know if you saw in the, in the calendar here, but we're starting to celebrate recovery. Where's, is, is Brother Herbert here? Is he over here anywhere? Brother Herbert, would you stand up? Brother Herbert Hughes, God bless this good man. I'm so glad him and Emmy are back here with us. This is a man very highly educated and uh, worked, I think he's got a couple master's degrees, worked in all kinds of counseling practices up in New York. But he got a burden a few years ago to deal with people with addictions and started to celebrate recovery down in South Florida. When they moved back here, he came and saw me. He said, you know what, Pastor? I'd like to start a celebrate recovery on Friday nights. We're starting it on January the 12th. And here's what it is. Anybody that is suffering with any kind of addictions, it doesn't matter if it's, it's pornography or drugs, or there's all kinds of addictions in this flesh. But we want you to come on January 12th on a Friday night. We're going to meet back here in the multi-purpose room. This is going to be an ongoing thing every Friday night. You know what? Here's what we believe. God can give a person a brand new start regardless of what's happened in the past. Brother Roger Eaton is with us as well. We're going to get, a, we're going to get some help we're going to get some people around us because i'm going to tell you what folks nobody's an island we need other people because you don't start over by yourself after a major failure you need somebody else to walk alongside of you every time you take stock of your life you have in your brain a personal referral system this is the database of every experience that you've had all the experiences you've had are stored every time you hear or see something you immediately evaluate it by what's already in your cranium in your head. You say, does this square up with my experiences? If it does, you can accept it as true. If it doesn't, you don't believe it. For instance, if I were to say to you, crime doesn't pay, you filter that through your mind thinking, yep, that's true. According to my experiences, I have often found that crime does not pay. I agree with that. Preach it, pastor. But another person sitting next to you might say, nope, I don't know if I believe that because I found from my experience that crime does pay quite handsomely. So depending, of course, we understand that's a, a fault, that's an illusion because eventually it will. But depending on your experience, you accept this as true or false. So if I were to say to you, parenting is 
mostly fun. You would filter that through your personal experience. And some of you would agree. Those of you that have only had one child and they were so compliant. I'm going to tell you what, nobody's more fortunate than people who've only had one child and they end up getting an easy one. And they think it's all due to their parenting. They should have another one. Because God will give you another one to compensate And then you'll realize it wasn't your parenting at all. It was just their nature and you got lucky the first time. (laughs) But others of you are parents like the rest of us. You run that through your filter and you say, no, parenting is hard. Parenting is difficult. Parenting is demanding. Sometimes it's downright no fun at all. So you filter it through your personal referral system of your own personal experiences. When you're starting over and you're making a fresh start, taking stock of your life, you need to realize that this is an important thing. And I know my time's running out, but this is important. You've got to realize that some of your experiences have faults. They are faulty information. They are lies. Let me just make it clear for you. They are lies. Not everything that you've seen, heard, and experienced are true. You can have false memories. Did you know that? You can believe false things. Do people ever tell you things that aren't true? Yes. And you store them. Have people ever said things about you that weren't true? Yes. And you've stored them. When you're young and very impressionable, we tend to accept what other people say about us as being true. They say, well, it must be true. Somebody says you're dumb when you're a kid. You start to think you're dumb. You're lazy. You start to think you're lazy. You're never going to amount too much. You think, well, that must be true. Well, I'm going to tell you something. All it takes is one coach in the third grade to tell you you are totally uncoordinated. And for the rest of your life, you will think you are totally uncoordinated. I know, because I had a coach tell me in third grade, you run like a penguin. All my life, I thought I was running like a penguin. Impressionable young, I don't have the time to tell you all about that, but impressionable young people allow other people to influence their self-image. You can be 30, 40, 50 years old or older, and some of you are still operating on tapes that are in your mind that were made in the first grade. It wasn't true then, and it's certainly not true now. But we're still acting like it is. Some of you are still watching movies of an experience that you had on a playground or from your parents or something that was said in anger and it's on the top of your head and it's stuck in your mind and it's playing over and over and over and over again and you're still living your life based on faulty information. Garbage in, garbage out. You've got to challenge your experiences and sometimes challenge what you believe. I am not a loser, I'm a winner. I will not let that mistake define my life. I am more than a conqueror through him that loved us and saved us. You've got to hold up whatever your experience has been up against the word of God and say, what does the Bible say is true? What does God say is true? I'm going to tell you what the Word of God says. The Word of God says you're the apple of God's eye. You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. It doesn't matter what other people say about you. What matters is what God says about you. Just because you've seen something doesn't mean it's true. You've heard that saying, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You can believe a lie. Today with all this virtual reality, I got one of these things for Christmas. It's like a big headset thing you put on your head and you put your iPhone in the back of it and you put on headphones and boy I was sitting there on Christmas day at my in-laws and everybody's enjoying Christmas and I'm sitting there on the couch doing this (laughs) my head's going like this I pulled that thing and pulled off my headphones they're all looking at me I said I just rolled up mean roller coaster boy I tell you what that was whoo that was a wild roller coaster I'll see y'all in a minute I put that thing back in I moved my head around and clicked that what was that one you gonna go skydiving off the Andes mountain I said let's do it all of a sudden I'm get done with that pull it all off hey what'd you do I just went skydiving you hadn't moved off the couch 
How many of y'all ever seen Forrest Gump? Oh, yeah, y'all are so holy now. Nobody wants to vote. You watch that, you'll believe he shook hands with John F. Kennedy. Or he taught Elvis how to dance. Or played ping pong with the Chinese. Well, I'm going to tell you something, none of that's true. Today, just because you see something doesn't mean it's true. Just because you experience something does not make it true. You can have a false experience. That's why you've got to build your life not on experience but on God's word because that's true and that is unchanging. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost on this. I know i got to close, but I feel like telling somebody, God's going to give you a brand new experience. He's going to give you an undeniable experience. We'll finish this tonight, but here's what I want to say to you. Every one of these things that God wants to do that we've talked about is the direct result of you and I making a spiritual commitment. Everything that we talked about won't just happen by osmosis. It'll happen because of a commitment. So here's what we're asking you to do. If you'll take out your bulletin, there's this little edge of it right over here. And it says consecration at the very top. Do you have just a minute? Just fold that. It's perforated like that. You can fold it. And then you can just tear that off just like that. And then you'll have this in your hand. This is what I want you to take, take out because this is the goal. This is what I believe God's calling us all to do as a church. We have a goal this year, 2018, to have 500 people that are committed to consecration. And we're going to start now. Here's what we're wanting to do in 2018. Pray 15 minutes a day. How many of you think you can pray 15 minutes a day? Read your Bible at least 15 minutes a day. And fast at least, at least one day a week. Fasting is about going without food because when you go without food, you're basically telling your flesh you're not going to get everything you want. And the Bible says these things, talking about spiritual breakthroughs, do not come about but by prayer and fasting. So here's what we believe. We believe that 2018 will be the greatest year that we've ever had at First Pentecostal Church. But it won't happen just because I'm up here with this wireless mic saying it. It's going to happen when you and I make a commitment. Here's what I'm asking every single person in this building to take out this thing right now and mark those three boxes. Put your name and your email there. We're going to try to be able to communicate and give you resources and material. On the back of this is the 2018 bread, which, which stands for Bible reading enriches any day. And there's a Bible reading chart. We've got them out in the four years for you when you leave today. You can take one of those charts and starting now, everybody say starting now. Starting Tomorrow now. is the first day of the year. Start reading those chapters. They'll have them and you can go through the entire Bible in the year 2018. Let me tell you what I've found in over 40 years of ministry. You very seldom will go wrong. You will very seldom go wrong if you stay in the book. Amen. If you just keep reading the Bible. You can, you can get off and have, you know, you know rest areas and, and side roads and so forth, but you can get back on the main track as long as you stay in the book. So I want everybody, does everybody have one of these? Does anybody don't have one? Everybody's got them. Oh, okay. Those of you that don't have one, raise your hand. All right, Brother uh, Derek, do we got some bulletins we can get out to all these people? Keep your hand up. The usher's going to move really quick. I'm going to make sure everybody has uh, one of these bulletins. And also, we're going to need the pens, too, if we can get some pens. Does everybody have a pen? If you're like me, you're always looking for a pen. When my dad gives me a pen, he always hangs on to the cap. Because he knows he won't get it back otherwise. What's that? We don't have any more bulletins. All right, the rest of you are off. You don't have to pray in 2018. No more bulletins. How can there be no more bulletins when this is our lowest crowd of the entire year? People are dropping bulletins out of, this, out of the video booth up top. Where are all the bulletins at, Sister Michelle? They don't know. Sister Richie's not here. Nobody knows where the bulletins are. You gave them all out? How many of you have two bulletins? Raise your hand. <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to do this again uh, next week, and we're going to do it uh, tonight if we can find some more bulletins. But everybody that has one of these, I want you to fill it out. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to make this commitment. And these Bible reading charts, 
we got a lot of these. These Bible reading charts, we got them in Spanish, we got them for children, we got them for everybody. You can pick up these as you're going out the foyer and you can start this right away. But here's what we're going to do, and this is what I feel to do with it as we close this service this morning, is to fill out these, these cards, put your name and your email on there, and then in just a moment we're going we're gonna to come down the altar and we're going to just place these on the altar. And we're going to say, Lord, 2018, this is my commitment. Say, well, Pastor, I don't know if 15 minutes is going to be enough. That crazy exercise bike said, all I've got to do is give it 15 minutes a day. That's what they told me. If you just do 15 minutes a day, you don't have to go crazy. Just do 15 minutes a day. I'm going to do it. But then I got convicted and said, Lord, if I give that exercise bike 15 minutes a day, I better make sure I'm giving you at least 15 minutes a day. Hello, somebody. It's the consistency that makes the difference. It's the consistency that makes the difference. And here's what we're saying as a people. We're saying, Lord, we're all in. We're committing. We're not going to just play church. We're going to say, God, I'm going to put you first in every area of my life. Is there anybody that needs a pen? Raise your hand if you need a pen. Do we have any pens, ushers? We got any pens? We're all out of pens? We're all out of pens? Everybody's got a pen. You're right. You're right. Nobody raised their hand. That brother Derek, boy, he's on top of things out there. So everybody's got a pen. So take one of these. Everybody got it? Fill it out. If your neighbor's not doing it, look over at your neighbor and say, how come you're not filling out your card? You're against praying? <laughs> All right, so you're putting your name, your email address, you're checking pray, read, or fast. Or if you say, I'm going to just pray and read, but I'm not going to fast. I know sometimes with fasting, it's difficult with people with different medicines and whatnot. But whatever you can do. You say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to consecrate. I'm going to be a part of it. I'm believing 2018, God's going to give me a fresh start. And I'm going to commit to reading my Bible. I'm going to commit to praying. Now, let me just say this for whatever it's worth. It's best to do this early in the morning as opposed to the last thing of the day before you fall asleep. Because if you do this at the very end, this is how you read the Bible. God <laughs> created the head. And I mean, you're out. And whatever you do stay awake for, you can't remember the next day. So start your day out doing it. Give, it, give them the very best. Has everybody got it filled out? Is everybody good? All right, let's stand to our feet. Boy, what a great church we have, I tell you what. I believe serving God ought to be the best thing going on. And having the joy of the Lord is our strength. So here's what we're going to do. I want to ask everybody to take this card with them, bring them down here, and just lay them on the altar. You can lay them all down here. You can lay them on the stairs. You can put them all down here, down the front. If you can't get down here, there's going to be ushers back there by the sound booth with bags. You can put them in the bag. But here's what I want us to do. I want us to all come and lay this, say, Lord, this is my commitment. Put it on the altar, and then I want us to stand around front here. And here's what I want us to pray as we're dismissed this morning. I want us to pray this, Lord, give me the strength and the courage to fully commit to you in 2018. I'm not going to do it halfway, God. I'm going to make it a priority. You're going to become the focal point of every day. If God's given you and I life and breath for another day, I love that song they sing. It's your breath, so I'm going to praise you. Then let's give it back to God with a spiritual commitment. This is awesome. People are already coming. Just come and put your card down right here. That's beautiful. Just lay them down. And when you lay this down, just stay down here in the altar. We're going to have a we're going to have a prayer right here before, we're lit, before we leave. Just place them right down. You can turn them over. If you don't want nobody to see, that's fine. Just lay it down on the altar. I'm going to call this group the dream team. I'm believing God's going to give us 500 people on the dream team. You say, why are you calling it the dream team? Because spiritual dreams are going to come true because people are committing. Committing to a spiritual consecration. To say, Lord, 2018, I'm not going to just go through the motions. I'm going to give it everything I've got. That's it. People are still coming. That's it. Just give them a little bit of room. There's room down here in the middle. People are coming down the different aisles. Just make room where everybody can get their card down here. Yeah, just lay it right there on the altar. We're going to collect them all. We'll create a database from it and all that stuff. We're going to make sure we communicate with everybody. Just put your card down. We're laying them before the Lord right now. This is beautiful. Oh, I believe all of heaven's rejoicing over this, Brother Scott. God is so good.
That's it, cards are still coming. Just let them keep coming. Thank you, Lord. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Hallelujah, hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. Some of you say, well, pastor, I already do. I do 30 minutes a day. That's fine. Keep on doing that. We just want you to do that. We want to make sure we know what army we've got, what army of believers, people that are committed to it. Has everybody got it down? Does everybody still need some room? People are still coming. If you've got just a minute, just stay down here because I want us to pray together right now. In fact, I think it'd be good if, you could, if it's appropriate, just take the hand of the person you're standing next to. Let's pray together right now. There's so much strength that we have in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. There's so much strength that we have in the body of Christ. I want us to just pray for one another and pray for ourselves right now. Say, Lord, you said a threefold cord is not easily broken. You said one can put to flight a thousand and two can put to flight ten thousand. You've given us the strength of our brothers and sisters. I know, God, that I'm not alone. But, oh, God, you have given me, Lord, the power to be an overcomer. I'm asking you to give us strength today, God, to say this year is going to be the best year ever, God, as we commit to you. We're making up in our mind in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, I'm going to pray like never before. I'm going to fall in love with the Word of God. I commit myself to be consecrated to you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Give me a new attitude, God. Give me a new heart. In the name of Jesus. Yes, in the name of Jesus. starting right now I don't want to wait till next week I don't want to wait till tonight or tomorrow but right now we are in your holy presence and your spirit is here and I'm asking you God to renew me in the Holy Ghost right now 
I wonder if the saints of God would lift up their hands and would you lift your voice like a trumpet? Renew me right now.